Proper Madness, formerly Beautifully Broken. My name is Savvy and I give a unique perspective on mental health by providing tools, guidance, and knowledge on how we can better understand ourselves as well as our past and present experiences and in doing so, we can help heal our mental health. I get to speak with a variety of individuals from around the world as they share their stories from their journey through their mental wellness so that it helps others stand strong and use their voice. Welcome back, everyone, to Proper Madness. Today, I have Josh Landry with me. He's an awesome singer and songwriter that I've discovered on TikTok, um, and I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, um, I'm Josh. Uh, I, uh, before singer-songwriter, actually, um, mostly just producer and songwriter. Um, I've done that for about 10 years now um, with various artists, uh, mostly in the rock world. Um, and, uh, yeah, just overall been playing music since I was like 14 years old. And here I am at almost 28, still alive somehow. <laughs> Glad to well, be good. here. <laughs> good. Uh, well, how did you, how did you trans transition from being a producer to a singer songwriter? Like what made you do that? Um, so it's, it's kind of like a, a jumbly mess of a story, really. Um, I started playing music like I said when I was around like 14 like actually playing music when I was 14 um and I was in and out of like bands um doing that whole thing like through high school and whatever um and at 16 I actually left high school uh to pursue a band um and trying to get like a record deal and like go the whole nine yards you know and like uh really do it uh so I did and worked on that and developed that uh, for like six years, seven years. Um, and then we ended up actually getting a record deal. Uh, and then we ended up getting dropped and shelved before our record got to come out. And then we went through like this whole um, kind of legal battle with our record label and everything else. And um, so I kind of decided to take a back seat and start kind of uh, full-time doing production. Um, and where I guess it kind of gets blurry is the whole time I was developing that band, um, I was basically recording and writing every single day um, for that project. And I mean, to be able to financially support doing that, I was also doing it for other people, but it wasn't like a full-time thing. I just sort of helped out wherever I could. Um, and then once things like, you know, shit kind of hit the fan with the band, um, I ended up doing that full time and then um, it actually ended up serving me really well. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of how I went from being in a band to being a producer and then from being a producer to being a singer songwriter um, was actually kind of an accident. <laughs> um, so I kind of, um, I went through uh, a really scary time last year. Um, and I ended up getting diagnosed with PTSD, um, finding out I also had OCD, uh, GID, uh, major depressive disorder. Um, it all kind of unraveled at once and I had to find out the hard way. Um, 
and that led me into actually starting therapy um, where I had tried um, a few times before and then I had gone maybe like three or four times consecutively and then I kind of fell off and stopped going and um, this time I was kind of like yeah this is like no joke like I, I really need to stay focused and keep going so I did and uh, eventually I got to a great therapist who I continuously saw for about six seven months um, and she made me realize that ever since the band had gotten dropped and things like really hit the fan and got ugly um, I chose to sit in the production chair and kind of hide behind creating art for other people um, because it's what made me feel safe. Like I was like, Oh, like, you know, um, that terrible traumatic event will never happen to me again. It'll just happen to other people. And if it succeeds, then I get to stand next to it. And you know, if it fails then I get to kind of quietly walk away from it, you know? Um, yeah. and she made me realize that about myself. And she was like, I think the reason that you're having such a difficult time is that you're, you're not really being who you are, you know, like you're not really making art for yourself and being true to yourself. And, um, she was like, you should just make stuff and just put it out there and whether people love it or hate it. Um, you know, she was like, who cares? Like, at least yeah. you're being authentic and you're being true to yourself. So I started putting up these like short covers on the internet in January. Um, just for fun and just as an outlet to be myself and do something for me rather than someone else. And um, it ended up kind of snowballing into something I honestly never would have thought possible. And here we are. <laughs> and I know that's a really long story, but that's how, that's how that happened was just like a total accident. I just made a couple covers to put on Facebook and they ended up like doing really well. And then people were like, start a TikTok. Um, <laughs> so I did. That's and fun. then, we just hit like 400,000 followers. Like last yeah, week. I, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. I was on there this morning um, just to like figure out which covers you specifically. Because I found a few when I was on TikTok um, and we listen to the same type of music or like your influences from the same music that I love and grew up listening to. Um, right. Like asking Alexandra, Deftones is like one of my favorites. Um, but I saw you do change by the deaf by deftones. And I was like, Oh my God, like, who is this? But you do your own like little tweaks on almost every cover. And I really, really like that. Like why, why, what made you start kind of messing around with the lyrics and some of the, like the <laughs> melodies of stuff. Cause I so honestly, sometimes I'll listen to yours. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I can't, not that I like it better than the original. I mean, I do sometimes, but um, just because it's very unique and it's different. I'm really glad that you asked me that question because uh, I feel like it gets overlooked and that's like the most fun part of doing this for me. Um, <clears throat> so at the core of everything I do, um, I've been a songwriter for 12 years. Um, that's what I do. I've written and done composition for several bands um, one of whom being motionless and white. Um, and so lyrics are kind of like my everything. Um, and so is melody. So whenever anybody comes to work with me, um, most of what we end up focusing on is like top line production, which is just all vocal. So mm. it's lyrics, melody, composition, cadence, everything. Um, so when I do these covers, um, it's like I get to kind of sit down with myself um, 
<laughs> and do the same thing for myself that I get to do for other artists. Um, and it's what I have the most fun doing in the production world. Um, it's kind of like building something that I think is cool and something that like really speaks. Um, and I think the reason that I focus so much on lyric is because lyric did so much for me growing up, you know? Um, so it's like so many records created this really cool safe space for when I was a kid, you know, and when everything, you know, sucked like through 12 year old Josh's eyeballs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got to dive into some of my favorite records and there were just some lyrics that would absolutely turn me around um, and just like, I don't make me feel some type of way. Like whether it was like, it made me feel cool or it made me feel sad or, you know what I mean? Like the fact that somebody could like string together a lyric and move somebody with it is just like such a powerful thing to me. So like, I don't know, like even just being able to do that with these short covers, um, ends up being so much fun and so gratifying because I see people be like, Oh, it's like, I love what you did there. Like that made me feel the song 10 times more, or, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it really carried this different delivery. It made me think about the song totally differently. And like, um, that's what excites me more than anybody being like, I love your voice. Like, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I just think there's so much more to dig into with that than there is like, just a voice at face value, you know, but I'm a total nerd and I'm a critical overthinker. Um, so I think that's why it excites me because I'm like, oh, this makes sense. And I like dug through so much to get to this point. Um, it's kind of like a, one of the healthier obsessions, you know, like your renditions of how you do the covers, you can feel the emotion in a different way. Like I listened to the Billie Eilish cover you did. Um, and I did. Yeah, it moved me a little bit more not to say that hers doesn't it move but it moves you in a different way um where i could just feel your intense emotions behind it like the pain i really love that you're picking out the ones that i feel like didn't do very well really? <laughs> or like it didn't reach a bunch of people like i um i got kind of upset because the deftones one i was so stoked on i like yeah. genuinely worked on that one for like two days even though it was like this short thing like I put a lot into like building the track and the production and stuff because I just love Deftones so much. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, like it's like I can put up like a cover of something that I do like on a whim that I'm just like, yeah, this song is cool. And like I could see myself like having fun with like building it or singing it or whatever. And it does like super well on TikTok. And then there's one that I'm like really excited about. And then it's like nobody gets to see it. And I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like, no I feel you on that yeah I I completely get that but it's interesting it's like the as an artist or a creative no matter what like the ones that you love that you you're like okay I think this is like a solid creative piece and no matter what way it is right you're like okay well why didn't it perform as well I love this one but the ones you don't like somehow do better and you're like okay I don't oh understand my God, story of my life story <laughs> of my life I like I started realizing that like, and it actually started serving me when it came to producing other artists, because it was like the, the songs that I would love the most were never the singles like mm. ever. Um, and I started almost recognizing that and then betting against my own taste. So like, <laughs> yeah, I would, I would do a song and then be like, Oh, I love this song. And then I would show it to their management 
or like whoever else was involved or maybe just like some friends or whatever. They'd be like, yeah, this is cool. And then I'd be like, I bet you any money if I show them the song that I hate that we did, they're going to love it. And that's going to be the single. And nine times out of 10, that was the case. And I was huh. just like, that's interesting. I was like, okay, do I just have bad taste? What's happening here? <laughs> um, and so same thing. I developed a band called The Funeral Portrait from Atlanta, um, mm -hmm. who ended up signing a deal with Better Noise Music, um, which they've got like Motley Crue and oh, um, yeah, yeah. all of these like, insanely huge rock bands and the most hilarious thing was uh we had been writing for years and i was like this song is it this song is it this song is it we had at least four in the pipe that i was just like these songs are incredible songs they're gonna create opportunity for the band i'm not worried about it and none of those songs stuck um and then the one that we wrote we wrote this song called holy water in like two hours not even joking. We wrote a whole song in like two hours. Mm -hmm. And um, the song was actually about how much we didn't like A&Rs. Um, <laughs> where it was like, they were these gatekeeper type people. Um, and it's just this big metaphor for how much we hate record labels. And that was the song that ended up getting them signed. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, like, I wonder why, you know, because I always think I'm like, all right, is it because this is what people want to hear or is it because, I don't know, because if you think about it, right, like your Deftones and Billie Eilish covers are maybe the most raw emotionally. And so sometimes, I don't know, I have a quirky brain, but sometimes I, I wonder if people just are afraid to feel those emotions and therefore they're like not, they don't want to like face that. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense. but I think in the, in the realm of like songs, um, I think what we end up loving, we love because it's a safe bet. We love mm -hmm. because we're like, I've heard this somewhere else before and I loved it and it moved me. And this feels similar to that. Therefore, this is the best song I have. Right. Yeah. I think we don't think about it like rationally like that, but I think in the back of our minds, that's probably why that feeling exists of like being like yes this is the one and then i think the one that we don't like we inherently don't like because it's probably riskier and yeah. it's probably not close to that same feeling that we were chasing like yeah. from a different song right so yeah. that's why i can step outside of that and almost bet against myself and say this isn't what i was chasing but i guarantee you this is the one that's going to do well and then yeah. now I'm like, okay, cool. Now I feel like I know what a single sounds like, regardless of like how it moves me or makes me feel. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I um, part of me feels like TikTok is like this like weird anomaly where like sometimes things are gonna get seen, and sometimes the TikTok algorithm gods just don't want your stuff to be seen <laughs> that day. Like, yeah. Um, and I don't even think it's content based at this point. Because um, there have been songs that I did um, that were just not very popular that ended up doing super well on my TikTok. And then I did songs that were like insanely popular, trendy, um, and they just didn't get seen. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of trying to figure that all out and figure out if follower count even really matters. Because I feel like if 400,000 people were following my account, that would mean that 400,000 people would see my content. Right. Yeah. And then I'm like, no wrong. Um, because I realize 
that you have to click a certain like thing on your for you page to show like content from people that you're following. Otherwise yeah. you're just seeing random stuff on your for you page. So I'm like, that kind of sucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Instagram's not that way. You only see everybody's content that you follow basically on your homepage. Um, and I think everybody's so used to that idea um, that they kind of discredit that TikTok's a little bit different or they just don't even think about it. So you had mentioned that you were struggling last year with something. Uh, what was it specifically, if you feel like talking about it, that it was and how did music and songwriting and doing all this help you through it? If I, if I stutter or struggle through any of it, um, it's important that I talk about it. So don't feel bad for asking me to talk about it. Okay. Um, it's important for me to talk about it because it's important for me to feel like I have power over it rather than it having power over me. Um, so last year, um, I was having an insane time, um, trying to cope with my anxiety, um, as I'm sure a lot of other people were having the same struggles. Um, not only was my career just like in a really tough position, but I mean, the pandemic was going on. Um, I was isolated and moved away from all of my friends. Um, I was living in New Orleans last year. Um, and <clears throat> It was probably about 10 years of me just kind of dealing with uh, depression and anxiety, unmedicated, no therapy, um, just me trying to like grin and bear it and grit through it. It got to a point where um, I just started feeling like physical effects um, and I guess like physical consequences of like not dealing with my anxiety in a healthier manner. Um, everything started to get a lot more difficult for me. I wasn't leaving my house um, for a while. I was having uh, issues driving. Um, I couldn't drive over like certain bridges. If you know anything about New Orleans, um, it's all a bridge system over like the Mississippi River and uh, just swamp and um, they're just ancient bridges. So a lot to think about there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, um, I was having anxiety attacks, uh, every time I had to drive across city, uh, across the city and, um, even just going to the grocery store and doing things like that, everything just started becoming insanely tough for me to do. Um, and I was realizing it, but I was kind of just like, yeah, like, you know, maybe it's just like the, the flavor of the day anxiety thing, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. um, but it started becoming more consistent, um, and I just kind of started talking to people less, uh, socializing less. Um, and I was burying myself in work, just doing a bunch of remote work um, and diving into that to distract myself from how bad it was getting. Um, and um, eventually um, I was working on a remote project and I had turned it in four times and gotten rejected four times on the project um and it was crazy like i started feeling like this horrible like pain in my chest i could not breathe um and i remember i got up and i like walked over to my uh my girlfriend and i just like fell <laughs> on the floor 
I was just like overly emotional about it, just like bawling about it. Um, and then I remember I was like, okay, I need to like seek help for this. Like, so the only thing we could do during the pandemic, since nobody was seeing anybody was like, uh, you know, telehealth or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. so there was an app, um, that my friend had told me about. Um, I was uninsured at the time with health. Um, yeah. So I saw an online doctor, talked to her about what was going on. And she was like, Oh, um, it sounds like, you know, you have a mood disorder and this and that. And, um, so we're going to prescribe you Prozac. Um, so I was like, okay. And I had tried Prozac before when I was 16. Um, I didn't necessarily think about it then, but now that I think about it in hindsight, it did horrible things for me when I was 16. So I don't know why I thought it would be a good idea to get back on it. Um, two days in, uh, to taking that medication, um, I had ended up collapsing, um, and having an adverse uh, reaction. And even now, um, I'm still trying to navigate exactly what caused this and, um, trying to figure out, um, what's going on with my health because now we're thinking that it might not have been the Prozac, but that day I collapsed. Um, my whole body was tremoring. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. Um, it was terrifying. Um, and after that I spent <laughs> three weeks. Um, I absolutely could not do anything as far as leave my house. It was a goalpost to walk, down the street to a snowball stand. <laughs> um, and it was a goalpost to talk to people um, and not have an anxiety attack. Um, so I would test myself and walk across the street to the Walgreens and like just buy a pack of gum, anything. Yeah, after that, um, I couldn't sit down and work. I couldn't uh, sit down and watch TV or a movie. I couldn't relax at all. Um, I had to basically stay on my feet and exercise all day, every day to exhaust myself because the anxiety was so bad. Um, and that went on for months. <laughs> um, I was detoxing at the time from Prozac, um, cold turkey, caffeine, cold turkey, nicotine, which I had used for over 10 years heavily. Um, and I ended up losing everything uh ended up losing my house uh my relationship at the time uh all a lot of my studio gear um i had to sell because i couldn't work um and i couldn't afford my bills um it all just started crashing down hard um i ended up having to come out here to atlanta and stay with my friends and uh basically start over and um even then with all of that in my corner, uh, I was still really struggling every day to get up, um, or to focus on doing anything that was productive to help me get on my feet. Um, I had a friend's mom who reached out to me and helped me see a psychiatrist for the first time in my life. Um, and helped me get into therapy. Um, because I didn't have the means to do it myself at the time. Um, and if it weren't for her, uh, I don't know if I could still be around, um, being totally honest, um, because, um, I had never been more like mentally 
unstable and unhealthy in my life. I didn't have anything to lean on because I couldn't sit down for five minutes, you know? Um, so music wasn't really an option actually. Um, and, uh, when I saw my psychiatrist, um, we talked about everything. It was like a, a two hour, um, like first appointment and consultation. And basically that was when I uh, found out and was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder from the event that happened, mm. um, which I'm still dealing with now. I go to trauma therapy every single week. Um, and I take uh three times a day. <laughs> um, and thankfully I'm in a place where I'm functional and I can sit down and focus and, make music and start doing all of these, uh, these covers and, um, working with people again. Um, but, um, I can, I can definitely say that, uh, last year tested me and almost got me, um, in a lot of ways. Um, and it's still testing me now. Um, just because I'm posting things, you know, on the internet or, you know, making covers or making music or, kind of, I appear to be living my life again, you know, from the outside in. Um, it's definitely not gone at all. Um, yeah. It's still difficult. I've just found ways to um, accept it and try to live with it. Um, some days are harder than others. Um, <laughs> tasks feel a lot bigger now than they ever have. Uh, things that used to be really exciting for me are now like really scary and daunting like traveling um opportunities that i would have killed for you know even a year and a half two years ago are now just like scary to me um because mm -hmm. i don't know if i can handle them um you know mentally or or otherwise um i avoid flying <laughs> that's a big thing in music and it if I'm honest, um, I would have had a lot of things right now in my corner because of this whole TikTok thing had I not um, had to deal with all of this. Um, I had incredible offers from a lot of people and I had to turn them down because I'm not healthy enough to have them. So, yeah, um, that took a dark turn, <laughs> but um but, you know, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm still alive um, and I'm still doing my thing. And regardless of what the capacity is, um, whatever uh, happens with music or anything, I'm, I'm grateful that I can do it at all um, because there was definitely a solid six to eight months where I thought I might not be able to ever do it again. So um, well, I appreciate but, you sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's just mostly focusing on, on PTSD uh, the same day that I was diagnosed with that, I was also diagnosed with everything else as far as OCD and um, general anxiety disorder and major depressive disorder. Um, but obviously, um, you know, PTSD has been the most challenging one um, because it basically feels like all of them <laughs> at once and uh, mimics a lot of other um, disorders. Um, or so I've learned like through my therapist. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Cause I too struggle with PTSD. Um, it's gotten a lot better, but I understand that sometimes those triggers can still happen. 
and then you do have to have a way to get through it and kind of cultivate some safety in yourself so yeah. it's strange you know um because a lot of people don't necessarily understand um how people get post-traumatic stress disorder because there's like this weird stigma that like only uh, you know veterans can that's literally what i say all the time yeah um, i'm like and so it's extremely hard to get this diagnosis and try to talk about it. Um, and then people are like, what happened? Like, it's not like you like went to like war or anything like that. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, I'm like, never mind. <laughs> like, I can't like dig into it because I'm like, I feel like anything I say now is like minimized because I'm like, no, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't at battle with people like literally and i haven't seen you know um anything horrific like those people have and i mean you know um bless their souls for dealing with that and being able to live with it and, and cope with it like i'm sure that that's extremely difficult um and i don't take away from that at all but it's like anything short of that uh is kind of like minimized um and swept under the rug and um you know it's it it's hard um, to realize too that um, I probably had standing PTSD from a lot of other things um, that happened earlier in my life. It was just the one that I thought was life-threatening in the moment that kind of caused everything to unravel. Um, yeah. And you cannot explain what this is like to people that do not deal with it, but life goes on and we do the best we can got to be grateful for what we do have and um you know like the uh the safeties and comforts that we do have left you know yeah well I, how is um because a lot of people don't know what trauma therapy is like um what is that like for you because i know for everyone it, it's different um for me it's hypnotherapy and like kind of like sort of an immersive sort of Thing, um, where you have to kind of almost re-traumatize yourself to heal from it. Um, yeah. What uh, What is it like for you? You don't have to go into details, but like what's um, the general? I don't have a problem at all um, because the more that people know, um, the better, I think, for me. I, I feel better if I'm like, okay, if I can explain this in a way that connects with people and like actually makes some sense, then like there might be, you know, a better understanding of it and there might be, a little bit more empathy towards people that could be in their lives that are dealing with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and those people need it, you know? So, um, right now, um, actually I'll start from the beginning. I had to start by basically telling her everything about my life. I had to tell her everything as far back as I can remember. Um, and you know, just to kind of, toss a uh i guess a, a blanket statement out there like i dealt with abuse when i was a kid um you know i won't like mention uh names or who or what or where or what but um i i dealt with that as a child um i went through a lot of other um really difficult things that at the time i didn't really understand uh the gravity of until i got older um I, uh, I went through Hurricane Katrina uh, with my family. Um, we were displaced, lost everything, you know. Um, so it was 
it was just one thing after another. Um, and then, you know, four years after Katrina, I went and chased uh, the band thing. And then that ended up falling apart in a terrible way. It was like just one thing after another. And, and I think I'd been trained to kind of um, deal with adversity, or at least that felt normal to me, like mm-hmm. um, more normal than like relaxing or like a calm environment felt I think I thrive in like uh in tough circumstance or like chaos because I'm just so used to that which is so unhealthy um but I had to explain all of these things to her um and I had to basically go into detail about everything I could remember in my life that really affected me and she basically put it like this because I would get confused and be like I don't know what matters and what doesn't she was like what you remember matters (laughs) um so honestly we went through uh a lot of sessions i go once a week like i said since about may the end of may and every week she would just like ask me like how are you feeling the normal question right and uh i started noticing um some weeks like maybe three to four weeks back to back i'd be like I'm okay. I'm like actually doing okay. Like this week and like, uh, things are good. And like, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Um, and then after that four weeks, she would ask me the same question, you know, uh, she'd be like, how are you feeling? And I'd be like, actually, like, I feel pretty awful. Like I am not getting up in the mornings. I'm not going to bed until like four or five in the morning. Um, not getting out of bed until like one or two in the afternoon. Um, and I just like cannot think clearly. Um, I'm just confused. I'm like in a fog. I can't socialize with people. Um, I can't carry conversation. Like everything just feels like it's just depression. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and during those times, um, I'm sure everybody that like, if, if they pay attention to my social media, sometimes I'll disappear for like two or three weeks and I won't post anything, uh, and I can't say anything. I can't really, I just don't have anything like, um, and it's like, it's during those times where I'm gone and I'm not being active on the internet. Um, when I'm really going through the trench of, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I, I, it scared me for a long time because I was like, maybe I have like bipolar disorder, like, because it's like I would just go under for weeks and then come up for a couple of weeks and go under. It's like this, this pattern I started noticing. Um, all because she would ask me every week, like, how are you feeling? So eventually we got to a point of starting EMDR, um, which I've only done about two rounds of. Um, how is that? I've never, I'm, I'm thinking about doing that, but I've not, I haven't done it yet. So it's basically like you were describing, um, you have to uh, relive your trauma because what you have to do is you have to untrain your brain um, to associate that memory with danger, Um, Mm. you know, because with PTSD, basically in that moment, uh, your brain actually changes. Um, And um, how do I say this? physically it changes and um 
you're making connections that aren't meant to be made. So now you're associating whatever happened uh, with this fight or flight response in your body. So now anything um, that you can see on a daily basis that might have been there in that situation, you're not thinking about it rationally, but your brain sees it before you notice it. It recognizes it, puts two and two together. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're in danger, searing anxiety through your body. Right. Mm. Um, and at least that's how it is for me. Um, so like <laughs> the smell of outside after it rains, um, does it to me. Uh, yeah. this, like if I go to a lake that does it to me, uh, when I was living in new Orleans where I went through it, um, I lived right next to Lake Pontchartrain and I would always walk on the, um, on the levee after it happened. Um, to exhaust myself basically. So anything that has to remind me of that, uh, does it to me with the MDR basically like, um, at least how it is for us. Like I have to like, almost like cross my thumbs in a weird way mm -hmm. and then like put my fingers like on my collarbone and I have to like tap like my fingers, like to this specific rhythm and she'll ask me questions like, uh, about the incident and then, I'll respond and then she'll go a level deeper and ask me how it makes me feel. And then asks me what I imagine when I feel that way. And then basically we'll have to keep going until eventually you reprogram your nervous system mm -hmm. um, and you retrain your brain to basically disassociate danger and that memory and that trauma. Um, and I'm not going to lie. Um, both times, uh, that we did it, I ended up having panic attack <laughs> in my therapy session. Um, yeah. because I just cannot, like, I cannot separate it. And I mean, that's what sucks about it. You know, um, it's not, it's not just going to like instantly work. <laughs> so it's like, I have to keep, uh, torturing myself with EMDR, um, to hopefully heal from it, you know, um, yeah. and to hopefully like separate those things. Um, it's grueling, man. Like <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. But for you af after those sessions, um, is your outlet, like when you not, maybe not immediately, but is your outlet then, okay, let me find a song I connect with and kind of actually get it no. out in that way. No, <laughs> no I don't know. <laughs> actually. No. Um, I, it's, it's funny because I think, a lot of people, um, that's probably their, their first assumption. Mm -hmm. Um, I, okay, let me explain this. I love doing what I do. It's a mm -hmm. lot of fun. It's really cool to put stuff out on the internet and get that cool, like instant gratification, but it's also a lot of pressure. And also there is a lot of trauma associated to music, uh, for that me. Makes sense. Um, I spent a lot of my career in music not being heard. Um, I spent a lot of my time in music um, being criticized for my weight, um, my appearance, um, my music not being good enough. Um, just, you know, um, being told that you're not special in a million different ways or being told that you're, you know, far from special in a million different ways for a long time. Um, it's kind of 
uh, it's kind of weird because it's like, okay, now people are listening. Now people want to hear what I have to say, but why? Um, I, like I said, I'm a critical overthinker. So um, sometimes I, uh, I just have like this, such a problem with like putting things out and then like doing well, because I'm almost jaded to the idea of anybody ever caring about what I do artistically. Um, so even though I love music, um, I can honestly say I hate what music's done to me as a person. I wish I knew then what I know now, like everyone would say, right? Like in, in yeah. any negative situation, I wish I would have taken things a little less seriously. I wish I would have just not listened to people. Um, but the reality is, is that like, you know, I'm, I'm a very sensitive person. Um, I take a lot of things like very seriously. I take people's opinions very seriously. And I think that you're kind of taught to in music, you know, because you're only as good as, as people say you are basically when it comes to music. Um, so if you want to chase a career in it, which I did uh, for a really long time, um, that's kind of it. Like, you know, everybody tells you, they're like, Oh, make music for yourself. And yes, I agree. Um, but if you want a career in it, like you're only as good as other people validate, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I think there's a part of me that's afraid of success. Uh, um, and I've been talking about that with my therapist a lot, actually, um, because I've already had like a taste of it in so many different scenarios. And then it was just like, swept out from under me um every time and not only that but um i don't view myself as as perfect i don't view myself as um someone who has this amazingly brilliant talent um not um and i i think it just all boils down to this ugly imposter syndrome um of just saying if I were challenged with standing up in front of those 400,000 people on TikTok, if I was challenged with standing up in front of them in person and, and delivering something, um, I don't think I'm in a position to be able to do that. I just don't, uh, mm -hmm. mentally or physically. Like I just, I don't know. I'm, I've just experienced failure so many times I've learned from it. Um, which has made me a better human being and a, a smarter human being. But at the same time, it's also made me a lot more timid uh, and um, has like challenged me with overwhelming anxiety. So um, <laughs> the first thing I do after I get out of trauma therapy is I immediately go to my gym down the street and I'm not buff at all. Um, <laughs> I am not in shape at all um but i go and i um i run a mile um just to like get it out uh and then i sit in like this steam sauna for like 15 or 20 <laughs> minutes just like sweating like crazy it's almost like i do things that i hate that are more relieving after something that i hate even more you know what i mean yes yeah, like, so 100% um, so that I can at least be like, okay, I'm choosing to torture myself right now. And like, it's my choice. I have the power over this. Um, and it also just like, it helps mentally. Like if you 
just like bust ass, like running a mile, like on the treadmill and then you go and sweat it out and then you like go swim for a little bit. Like it helps like balance your serotonin and Mm -hmm. it like, um, it just gets all that anxious energy out so that I can like calm down. And then after I do that, I'll be like, okay, like I want to go make a TikTok or something like, (laughs) so like then I'll go do it. Um, but that's only because I had to like, I had to ramp my anxiety up for EMDR. Then I had to go chill it out. And then now I'm kind of like in my right mind for the day. And it's our, you know, it's already six or seven o'clock or whatever. And I'm like, and then by that point I stay up until, you know, like one or two in the morning, like posting the TikTok and then responding to people and then like doing normal things. And then I start my day all over um, where I wake up in the morning. It's searing anxiety. Okay. How do I escape this feeling? Okay. Now I've escaped this feeling. Now I can like do something productive, but like most of my day is wasted. It's exhausting. It's not, oh, you know, I can imagine. No, I can, I've been, I totally get it. Um, so, yeah. but, but I'm glad you said, I'm glad you said what you did um, because I feel like, People who view like as an artist, like your audience, when they see you, they don't realize what you actually struggle with and how you actually feel. Um, and I think the internet can be a really ugly, shitty place sometimes is what people say. Um, yeah. And the more people understand like, hey, this is a human being. This isn't like, like, yeah, they're providing something for your entertainment to a degree, but they're a person and they have feelings right. and they've been through shit. So like, don't, you know. Yeah, be careful with what you say. Absolutely. And um, I I don't, here's my thing is my intention with like doing these TikToks was never um, like clout or like mm-hmm. internet fame or any of that. Um, my intention was to express myself from the beginning because my therapist made me realize that I had been hiding um, because I was afraid of getting hurt and re-traumatized. Um, so I, I hid from who I was and what I did for a very long time. Um, so it's like, yeah, I, uh, I'll post these TikToks and I'm glad that people get entertainment value out of it. But like, I'm also not afraid to like go on my story and be like, Hey, I feel like shit today. <laughs> like, uh, I'm just going to put out five things into the universe that I'm grateful for today. And it would be really cool to like hear from anybody about five things that they care about today because it helps ground me and make me feel like I'm not alone because even though I have 400,000 followers on TikTok or, or 20,000 followers on Instagram or whatever, like I still feel alone, you know? Um, yeah. I doesn't, that doesn't fill a hole or a void for me because I'm not looking to be somebody. Um, I just, I just want to be me. I want to stay alive and, find out how to make peace with the things that like genuinely fuck with me every day. That's all I, I get out of this. And so uh, sometimes I disappear uh, for two to three weeks, like I said, and people get upset about it. And I'm just like, if y'all, you know, I, I don't want to cry about it too much, you know, on, on the internet, it feels embarrassing enough to even like, you know, talk about, uh, what I go through because I'm sure it looks very cry wolf, you know? Um, but at least I can be real with myself and whatever people think about it is, you know, their own business or misery. (laughs) Um, 
So I, uh, yeah, I am. Um, I'm grateful though, that just being real and raw and honest has proven to like actually push me somewhere, uh, yeah. musically. Um, because I think, I think it didn't work out the rest of my life trying because, uh, I don't think I was like doing it with the right, the right intention. It's like, I cared too much, um, about being somebody that everyone approved of, uh, for a long time. And then as soon as I stopped caring about that, um, it was like the universe, like gave me a hug, like <laughs> in return, yeah. and just like, yeah, dude, like you're doing the right thing now. You know, yes. that like, um, that warms my heart to hear it, to be honest. Cause I've been there. I, I'm actually still currently struggling with that, to be honest. Um, so I understand. Um, I totally get it. But, uh, the last question I have is if any, anyone out there has resonated with your story and what you've said, what would be the advice you give them? whatever it is you're chasing, don't care too much. Don't like, don't, don't worry too much about, um, you know, what mistakes you might've made in the past or what mistakes you're going to make in the future because you will make them. Um, one thing that I've learned that's given me a lot of peace and helped me, uh, is realizing that I exist right now. And the only thing that matters is right now. So what I choose to do with my time and my energy and um, my skill set or my love or anything, the only thing that matters is how I apply those things right now. Um, and uh, I had a friend recently tell me something that really made a difference. He said, uh, life doesn't happen to you. Life happens for you. Um, so whatever you're going to do, <laughs> you're already going to do. So just let it happen. And it's going to let your life line up in the way that it's supposed to. Um, everything happens for a reason, I believe. Um, so as long as you exist and you just care about the decisions and the things you do right now, um, you know, your future will be just fine. Or yeah. it won't. <laughs> but you got to make <laughs> peace with that. You got to make peace with that. It's true. You know? It's true. Yeah. So, I mean, anybody that's listening, um, that's interested, obviously, um, you can go find me on TikTok at, uh, at sad songs only. Um, and, um, on Instagram, I think I'm just at, I am Josh Landry. I think that's I think my so, Instagram yeah. I don't even know my own Instagram. Handle <laughs> right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, pretty soon I'm actually going to start, um, putting out full length, covers and stuff on Spotify. Uh, it's something that everybody's been asking for forever. Unfortunately, my managers are perfectionists and um, they get on to me about being impulsive and just trying to drop stuff when they know that I can do better and everyone deserves better. So I'm going to put the extra work in, but um, I have original stuff coming out um, later this year too, that I'm very excited about. Um, yeah. Follow me on, on there. If you want to hear music because that's literally the only place that i'm putting it right now i don't have spotify i don't have apple music i don't have any streaming platforms out yet um and every time i post everyone always asks and the answer is still no <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening and remember you have to go through the eye of the storm to see the clear horizon ahead thanks so much guys and i'll see you next week